your trade team is an essential part of your projects. And if you've got a belief system that is having a negative impact, that's not going to be good for your outcome. So having the presence of mind to get some coaching if you need to will make a massive difference. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello everyone, it's Bernadette and today's episode is a result of me checking all the answers to the questions that new members respond to when they join our free She Renovates Facebook group. So we ask you what things you are having trouble with, what challenges you are having with renovating and I noticed there was a really common theme around tradies. And we have addressed this issue before, but I decided that I would talk about some of the ways that we approach and think about engaging tradies and probably from a different standpoint than you're used to. So just thinking about it a bit differently in order to help you navigate that area of your work that is engaging good, reliable trades. Before I get into that, I've just got some really exciting news. Well, I think it's exciting, so I'm hoping that you will share my joy. Uh, So I have really been struggling with planning our She Renovates conference because I wanted to be able for us to be able to get together live. And then I was thinking maybe I should postpone it to 2022 when things are a bit freer. But then I thought, you know what, we have had a really sucky year. 2021 has really been horrible. And, you know, as it stands, I've lost count of how many weeks we have been in quarantine and we really need something to lift our spirits. And so rather than canning it, I decided to go to double down and go in boots and all and just to really put my all into it to make it the most amazing event you've ever been to. It will be online. However, it's not going to be your typical old Zoom. So James and I recently attended a conference which was done on a conference platform, online platform, that it was sort of just like being live. So you could network. It was just really amazing. It's hard to fathom when you before you've experienced it, but basically you sit at tables so you get to know the people on your tables. So it was a really uplifting and uh, great experience. And so we are organising our conference on that platform. And I think the content is going to be around all the amazing deals that have been happening during this COVID period. So we're going to be doing a lot of 
real deals because that I know that that's what gets my creative energy going and I get really inspired when I see what other people are doing and we've got so many great renovators inside our community who are doing fantastic things and you will find their projects and their stories very inspiring. We also have some experts coming to share some of their amazing wisdom and lots of opportunity for networking, which is, I think, the best part of going to events. So for now, all you need to do is save the date and that is the 2nd and the 3rd of December. So, oh, I forgot to mention, we're going two days this year or one day last year. So when I said we were doubling down, I meant it. And so just get it in your calendar and I'll keep you posted as details become available. I'm going to have to apologise again for my audio. I am still in Victoria. Uh, This is my fourth week. I'm in Ichuka and thankfully I am able to spend time with my mum who is deteriorating quite rapidly. So I am actually finding it quite challenging but I'm very grateful to be able to spend this time. But on Saturday, I will be flying home and I will have been here exactly a month. So I'm looking forward to home and my own bed and my husband and my family. So that's my happy news today. So as I mentioned, I'm talking about renovation trades. A lot of people get really hung up because they don't have a team and they know the importance of a team and I absolutely agree with that. But I do think that if you have a process for engaging trades, you can put together your team quite quickly and I have actually done it several times. So you know that I'm currently renovating in Newcastle so I've been able to put together a team who so far so good. I think are great, available, sort of available. The build is a bit loaded up and they come highly recommended because many people in our community have used most of them. And the ones that I haven't had good recommendations on or haven't had recommendations on, I have basically done my due diligence and done my reference checks to make sure that they are who they see. But You do need to value your team because your trade team is what's going to make you the money. Now, you know, I saw a quote the other day. It was something like you'll pay in time or you'll pay in money. You just got to choose. And you know my views about DIY, but I really feel that you need to be willing. If you're going to do this professionally, you need to be willing to pay in money because your time needs to be spent on a more strategic level. And if you are physically doing all the work, you will burn out. And we don't want that. We want you churning out a couple of projects a year and doing that with grace and ease. But when you go into finding trades for your project, my first point is that you want to check in on your limiting beliefs. And, you know, I often hear some generalizations like anyone who's any good will be booked up this sort of thing. And now with COVID having such an impact on the building industry, those limiting beliefs can really blossom because there's lots of evidence around to know that you may not be able to get trades. 
And so, and I think I mentioned to you, I got some coaching on it because I felt myself sliding into this sort of thinking pattern that it was going to be challenging. And so you really want to keep that in check because that will filter your experience with trades. If you need to get some coaching because your trade team is an essential part of your projects and if you've got a belief system that is having a negative impact, that's not going to be good for your outcome. So having the presence of mind to get some coaching if you need to will make a massive difference and it certainly did to me. Oh, You may not know we have a um, renovator and mindset coach in our team in Michelle. But if I didn't have Michelle, I'd probably bounce it around with Stephen and make up a story that was more empowering than the one that was going on in my head. And so you need to do the same too. Otherwise, you will find it quite crippling. Of course, you do also, you know, need to adjust to the times. So, you know, I added extra budget in and I've had to loosen off on the time frame. But yeah, so that I've got some buffer. Otherwise, you just go crazy and that doesn't work. So that's my first tip. My second tip is to be aware of your trades company structures because that will impact how they work and what they cost. And there isn't a right or wrong here, but you just want to understand the model of the business that you're engaging. I'm going to talk about two of them. And one of them, the first one, which is probably the most common, is I call it the Lone Ranger um, tradesman. So basically, this is someone who operates on his own and only does one job at a time and he does it all. So I'm saying he because to this point, I've not had the experience of working with a female tradie, but I really look forward to the day. And so with a Lone Ranger, you're probably going to find that their prices are lower than the other models. However, you're also going to find they're going to have limited capacity. So, for instance, they will only do, you know, one job at a time or one decent-sized job, so you, you're going to have to wait until that person is ready. My plumber in in Sydney is a Lone Ranger and he, I've been working with him for probably eight or nine years. And so I just know that that's how he's going to operate. So if there's something that requires two people, you know, something awkward, I would make sure I was there if there was no one else on site to help him. So just really, um, yeah, so I see that as a trade-off for getting a better price and getting some. And the other thing about that is that he does the work, he's responsible for the outcome. So if I have something like something leaks after he's done the job, he will come straight back and sort it out, fix it up. So I'm not sort of, it's not getting tossed around the company to find someone to blame. It just comes straight back and does it. So the second structure I want to talk about is the management structure. So that's where there is a trade who basically runs his business but is not on the tools. So we'll have teams of tradesmen who work for him. So he will go around and quote the job and and direct the teams, but the teams actually do the work. Now, understandably, you'll pay more for this model, but often not a lot more. And 
What I like about this model is it's so much more leveraged. So you can, the trade can run more than one job at a time and they vary from, you know, a, let's say our electrician has a couple of tradesmen that work under him. So he'll have one on each job. So he's only running two jobs. Our tiler has quite a few tilers, not at the moment because they're all stuck in Western Sydney, but anyhow quite a few tilers and so if I've got two bathrooms he will if he can he will bring both teams in and they'll do one bathroom each so it gets done quickly and efficiently and then they're out of there. So it does depend a lot on the types of renos you're doing but thinking through the best application for you and also taking into account the impact on your budget is a good idea and will help you to navigate the whole selection of trades scenario. One of the problems with the second model, and I haven't actually really had this problem, but I do know it happens, is that one team will be really good and the other one won't be so good. And so you can't really rely on getting really good quality consistently. So yeah, that's something to think through. But generally speaking, I have found that I've had good results from both models, but it just depends a lot on your project. So the third thing I wanted to um, talk about is the fact that trades are managing their risk when they're quoting a job. Now, so in terms of scope creep, so often as they start the work, they will find things crop up that they weren't expecting. And so then they are sort of, they're in a dilemma. Do they charge you extra for it? And so on. And like, while I don't think that we need, we should expect to have work done that we're not willing to pay for, someone that charges at the drop of a hat is, is often, you know, a bit painful and we try to avoid that. So I believe there should be give and take. But often you will come across a trade who will say, I'll give you an estimate but you know that if you're going to go for a hard quote with them, then they will have to build in padding. That's a decision you need to make based on whether the trade has worked, you've worked with that person before, you have an understanding of how they operate, how honest they are um, or not. There is a little level of risk there for you if you decide not to go for the fixed quote, but I've done a bit of both. But just yeah, I guess it's a balancing act to manage that. The fourth thing I wanted to say is that you need to think about things that you can do to reduce your risk of variations and of blowouts. So let's say you've got trades quoting and there's some unseen, like there might be some white ant damage. And of course, you don't know until, you know, the demos happened, um, whether that really is significant because it could be just one or two pieces of timber or it could be extensive. Once you take up the floor, you could find all the joists and bearers are eaten out and they all need to be replaced. So how you can manage your risk is bring your demolition contractor in first, do the demolition and strip out so you're aware of what the um, extent of the project is and then you can get it quoted get a, a firm quote on it rather than having an open-ended quote. Okay, so the next point is around 
managing the price that, for your trade. So getting prices at work. And so firstly, the best thing you can do is find trades that are efficient, that can do good quality work quickly. Like you will notice that as you go along, some do good quality work, but are potter around and take forever to do it or uh, fast but slapdash. So you want a combination of the two, someone that's in and out quickly. So that means their hourly rate is quite good. And so they're getting a good return for their money, for their work, and you're getting a good price to work with. Personally, I'm not big on negotiating too hard with trades, mainly because I think it's demoralising. If you're asked to do the same job and get paid less, that can be a, it's not a great motivating factor and it's not really how I like to work. But I do have a few things, ways of really, you really want to, it's a bit like weight, finding the set point. So some trade set points are quite high, some are quite low, some are in between. Generally, when a trade quotes a job, they will put They'll put risk money in there, so padding for, you know, if the job takes longer and so on. And so you want to try and figure out, you never know exactly, but basically how much padding there is there. And so just a really easy thing to do is to say to the trade, is that your best price? And if I'm feeling particularly tricky, I will say, you're not the lowest. I'd really love to use you. Is that the best price? And often you will find that will bring, come bearing fruit. So try that next time. So I've got lots of other sort of tactics, but I think that is quite a good one. The other thing is to be very careful about asking a trade to step out of their normal range of tasks. So if you ask a trade to do something that they don't normally do, you need to, one, be aware that you may not get the quality of work that you want and two, that it could take significantly longer. I'll give the example of uh, someone I was working with asked the plumber to silicon the kitchen and that's typically not the plumber's role. They don't normally do that. And and so when he had done it, we discovered that he had silicon the joint between the bench and the tiles with clear silicon. So we just used what he had. And so, you know, that's what I call slapdash. So, yeah, so you want to be wary about asking them to step outside. Some are great and will have a go at everything and do the best that they can uh, others not so and to be honest with you I don't really blame them uh, because if they're good at something they can do it well they can do it efficiently and uh, cost and time efficiently if you're asking them to do something they're not good at then someone has to wear the cost of that so the next thing is to balance age against yeah age with efficiency. So do you go for an older experienced trade or do you go for someone that's young and keen? And my answer to that would be depends because I have some trades that are old and experienced and I'm really happy with their work. They do good work. They do it in a time efficient way. All's good. And I've got some younger trades that are really great in and out, fantastic, can do attitude, which I absolutely love. But then I've had older trades who are really stuck in their way and wouldn't work in an iron lung. 
and then there are younger trades who just don't have the experience to do things well the first time. I remember, oh, it's quite a while ago, but we had this young builder, inexperienced builder, and he was hanging quite a big, we're using an external sliding door internally, like a big 1.2 metre wide one, just could not get it right. And it just, you know, when you have a door that automatically closes or automatically falls open because it's not level and came back about three times and just couldn't do it. And I just put it down to inexperience. So you've got to weigh those things up and try and get a happy medium. Point eight, supply, do you supply materials or not? I tend to supply the materials that, that you can see. So anything that requires selection, I supply and I have the trade provide anything that's not visible, such as copper pipe, stud work, all that. So trades usually have a rhythm that they work to. You know, they might call in at the hardware on their way to work each day. If a trade needs materials during the day while they're there, I tend to offer to be the runner because, and especially if you've got someone working on an hourly rate, if you can hear a bit of noise in the background, we've actually got a bit of renovating going on here. So just ignore it. And um, yeah, so I tend to be the runner because, you know, a trip to Bunnings can be an hour, an hour and a half turnaround. By the time you get there, you find everything you need, get the help you need. And so rather than sending the person who is doing the work and in control of the progress of your project, if you are able to do that and save them that experience and the time, then that just keeps the project rolling on. And the last one, which I'm sure I've covered before, but I'm going to cover it again, never sign a blank check for a trade. Basically, don't have someone come and do work without getting a quote or at least an estimate because it is like signing a blank check because you've got nowhere to go once a bill comes in that you hadn't planned for and that is more than you anticipated the job to be. Like almost always quotes are more than you expect them to be. So at least by getting a quote, it lets the trade know that you are price conscious and it helps you to maintain control of your budget. Now, I hope those points are helpful. What I'm going to do now is just answer a couple of speak pipe questions that I've been asked, and then we're done for this episode. Hi, Bernadette. It's Ali in Canberra. Hi, Bernadette. My name's Charlie. Hi, Bernadette. It's Liz here. Hi, Bernadette. This is James from Bondi in Sydney. I've got a question I'd like to ask. I have a question. I just have a question for you. Interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for the show. Love it. As you know, I love to hear from you and to get your Renault questions. If you've got a question about anything Renault related, please visit our website and click the Ask Bernadette button. Hi, Bernadette. It's Lucy. Um, I'm just wanting to ask you a question about the micro development strategy. I'm looking at a block in rural Victoria, and the block has three street frontages. I'm told the block can be divided into four or five blocks. It's quite large, it's 1,800, so I'd I'd be more interested in four blocks on that site. Um, My concern with pursuing this is I don't really understand what the tax implications may be for this site because I believe it would be considered a commercial development. Uh, There's an existing house 
on the block, which would take up one of the four blocks. I'm not sure of the condition of the house as it's being marketed as a as a knockdown. Anyway, would love your uh, feedback on what the tax implications or what I need to be aware of in pursuing due diligence on this property. Thanks so much. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for your question. Now, so good work finding the site. And just in relation to your question around cutting it up into four or five um, sites and the tax implication and so on. So firstly, you will need to work closely with your accountant on the tax liability of this project because once you start creating new lots, then that brings GST into play. So for a new lot that you need to actually, when you sell that, if you sell it within five years, you will need, you will have some GST burden. And in order to navigate that safely, you need to have a a detailed conversation with your accountant on that subject Now, there are ways of mitigating it, but they're not a fait accompli, so hence the requirement for that conversation. So the second thing I would say about a project of that magnitude is that you are sort of taking quite a a big leap from, you know, doing one-off renos to going to sites that are one into four or one into five. And so it would be nice if you could find a step in between just from a risk management point of view. But in saying that, the next thing that you need to do in order to navigate that situation safely is have a detailed conversation with your town planner. Now, I know that you've already established a relationship with a town planner. Now, I, you know, we all know that we can talk to a duty planner at council But for something like this, I would have a relationship with a private town planner and preferably someone who is very up to speed with the local council requirements and has the capacity to push the envelope a little bit because it can make a big difference to the outcome. Um, Two more things to say about that is you also want to have a conversation with your finance provider because once you're talking you know, four to five sites, you're then getting into commercial finance. And that, of course, has different implications. And the last thing I would say is, I love projects that retain, and I know you would too, that retain the existing house, because I think it's the height of extravagance to demolish something that is in um, usable condition, just to build something new. And often the attitude of developers is it's all about the dollars, which is fair enough. However, we also want to be conscious of our impact on the planet. And and often it actually works well with your financial outcomes as well, because if you can renovate and sell that home for a higher price, then that will impact significantly on your land costs and reduce them, which I think is another great way of looking at it. Now, 
I, I, I know these aren't definitive answers. Unfortunately, with these sort of projects, there are a lot of um, moving parts and you need an expert team, which I know that you are building. So thanks for your question, Lucy, and I hope that's helpful. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.